Welcome to this conversation. I'm Teresa Keller, your host, and my guest today is Dr. John Lentz. He's got an interesting title. He is Ombudsman for Employer Support of the Guard and Reserve. I just run into people all the time who are doing interesting things, and that's what happened with Dr. Lentz. And so we're going to explore more about what he does here on this conversation today. Welcome to WEHC in this program, Dr. Lentz. Glad to be here, Teresa. Thank you. Now, I know you're a retired periodontist. That's so right. So does that mean I can call you John now? That's correct. All right. So I just ran into you at an event where you were doing a presentation, and your title is Ombudsman. Before we talk about employer support of the Guard and Reserve, what is an ombudsman? That's a very good question. It's a big word. Um, Basically, my understanding of ombudsman is that I participate and do a lot of things, ombuds, everything. And um, basically, my job with ESGR is to be a mediator between employers and guard and reservist members. Uh, We'll go into a little more detail during the program, but that's basically my job as a mediator. Yeah, okay, so a mediator. Let's also point out, just before we go any further, that you did come to Emory & Henry College. You started your college years here and then went on to have a career in medicine. But I assume, given the title of what we're talking about today, that you were in the military at some point. I was. Um, Actually, uh, after college, I went to dental school and um, was in a scholarship program with the United States Navy for three years. And as such, I owed them three years active duty. Was it a wartime? No, fortunately, it wasn't. It was uh, at the very end of the Vietnam War, 1975, and um, I was on the, in the Navy, and I spent first year at boot camp um, doing dentistry on recruits, and then my last two years, I had the distinct pleasure of being on the USS Nimitz, which at that time was a, the brand-new largest warship in the, United, in the world. So I was on that uh, ship for two years as a dentist. You know, I actually even remember the name of that ship, the Nimitz, so that must have been pretty big time. But tell us about the quality of your military experience. What did it mean to you? What were the challenges? What were the great things? Well, I think one of the things uh, for me in the military, I felt like that all citizens of the United States um, would should be given the opportunity to serve their country, uh, either peacetime or wartime. And so for me, not only did I get a scholarship from the, the government, the U.S. Navy, but I had an opportunity to serve our country in active duty military. Was it hard? Um, no. I think probably for a civilian going into the military, there's a few little uh, ticks that uh, might be a little strange. For example, wearing a uniform, showing up at a certain time, yes sir, no sir, when to salute, when not to salute. But as a dental officer, um, it's pretty easy. It wasn't like, um, I would say, active duty, army, military. I'm going to take this little tangent just to get your reaction, but I had just, by happenstance, had a conversation with a graduate of Emory & Henry who was in the Navy. He got out of the Navy and then went to an internship, like a transitionary thing toward looking at careers. And he was describing it like being shot out of a cannon from military to civilian. Did you have any kind of experience like that? No, not not whatsoever. No, yeah. I actually enjoyed it. You know, one of the interesting things is uh, as an officer, I had to go through officer training and um, I thought it was kind of humorous and fun that uh, part of our training, we had to sit down and learn how to eat with knives and forks and a napkin and glasses and tablecloths and, you know, kind of 
you know, personal uh, things, and I thought I found it humorous. I mean, I, I really thought, well, this isn't what I thought was the military. Yeah. <laughs> but that I, just I goes it. to show the breadth of what you learn yeah. in the military, which is probably part of what we're talking about here. Yeah. If I got this right, the thing that you do is when soldiers or people in the military come back to civilian life and they're in working in the work world or entering the work world, you facilitate that work and those relationships. That's exactly right. So um, ESGR uh, stands for Employer Support of the Guard and Reserve. So our focus is not necessarily active duty, full-time military men and women, but reservists and guard members. So, for example, um, since the 1970s, after the Vietnam War, the U.S. military went to almost 50% volunteer part-time guard and reservists and 50% active duty military. And that created some issues for reservists when they came back from active duty. Let's say they've been gone for weeks or months or maybe a year. When they come back to be reemployed by their former uh, employer, there were some issues arising. And so ESGR started in the 70s to protect those rights and privileges of guard and reserve members while they were gone on active duty and when they came back. All right. Well, see, I just kind of overlooked the obvious right there. I'm thinking full-time military and that what you're talking to is reservist and guard. What's the difference between the reserves and the guard? Well, there's the, like the Army Reserves, and then there's the National Guard. So that's a good question. So they're two separate entities, but they're basically the same. One is a federal um, organization, and then one's a state organization. So the National Guard obviously is the national one and mm-hmm. the state one, but you the said reserves. Army Reserves. Well, they're Army, Navy, Air Force Reserves, uh, Public Health Reserves, Coast Guard Reserves. So almost every branch of the military has a reserve unit. And what's the difference in the way they serve? You talked about being deployed. And so I know I remember after 9-11 and one of our students was in the National Guard and she had to go be deployed to mm-hmm. Iraq. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, the governor of Virginia, Yunkin, just uh, sent some guard reservists down to uh, the border in Texas so that the governor has uh, power over the, uh, the uh, reservists, I believe, and then the National Guard would be federal. Okay. Well, anyway, so there's a lot that a lot of just common people like me don't know and understand. And I'm sure that that's what you find when people are in the workforce and working with employers. And employers might not be quite as ignorant as I am of some of these things, but probably have a lot to learn about working with uh, former military people. Very good. Very well said. Yes, ma'am. So what are the issues? You said you resolve issues. Just give us some examples of some issues. (laughs) Well, Teresa, uh, we don't have that much time, but I'll try to uh, summarize it as succinctly as I can. So um, ESGR was an organization that was started by the Department of Defense in the early 70s after Vietnam War. And then in the uh, 1994, Congress passed a law called USERA, and that's an acronym And basically, if I can uh, find out what this means, it's hard for me to remember what it says. Um, But basically, it's the uh, Uniform Military Service Act that basically gives the congressional laws about how employers have to treat 
Guard and Reserve members when they come back from active duty. So you're in the Guard or you're in the Reserves and you get called up, but you have a job. So your employer has to say, I support you, I support the country, I support our military, I have to save your job? Uh, pretty much so. So the Uniform Services Employment and Reemployment Rights Act of 1994, USERA, basically primarily, first and foremost, guarantees the employer or the guard, the, the guard and reservist, excuse me, member, when they come back from active duty, that they are entitled to reemployment. So, uh, and that's a federal law. I can see how that's going to cause problems. If I'm an employer and you say, I've got to go, I'm being called up, so I've got to replace you. So I replace you. And then you come back and I've got an employee here. So what does the law require about that? Okay, so that, that's probably one of the primary concerns, um, the, the issues that come up all the time. So basically, um, if an Guard or Reserve members come back from active duty, they're supposed to give notification to their employer saying, Sir, I'm going to be back to work Monday morning, such and such a date. Um, the employer has to, by USERA law, has to reinstate that service member to the same job position, same salary, same insurance benefits, same retirement benefits, any promotions that he or she would have normally been um, available for when he comes back. Now, that does obviously present problems for the employer, but this is primarily, obviously, to protect the Guard and Reserve members, because I think if you think about it, if a young service member has a family and they think, well, if I go on active duty and I come back and I don't have a job, I'm not going to join the Guard and Reserve. I'm not yeah. going to take that chance. So to protect that and ensure that our armed services are fully manned and, you know, I said 50 percent are Guard and Reserve members, this law was passed to preserve the uh, rights and privileges of the Guard Reserve members so that when they do come back, they, they're guaranteed employment. Now, that creates problems for the employer to a certain extent, okay? I think one of the things we had a discussion uh, last time we met was, let's say we have a uh, lawn service, and they employ three people. So the, one of them is a Guard or Reserve member. They're gone for six months. The, the lawn service people have to hire somebody to keep the jobs going. And uh, the Guard member comes back from active duty, and they say, well, sir, I want to start work Monday morning. They go, well, I'm sorry, I've hired somebody to replace you. Well, the employer has to re-employ that Guard member or Reserve member. Now, what does that do for the employer? Then he has to decide, does he let the new employee go, the replacement, or does he accept the Guard member back and he has now an extra employee? But by law, the employer, regardless of the size of the company, has to re-employ that Guard or Reserve member. I see what the advantage is in protection for the service people, mm -hmm. because like you're saying, I'm not going to go into the Guard or Reserve if I'm going to lose my job while I'm gone. So it protects the, the, the service person. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, the employer could be tempted, Dr. Lentz, to not hire somebody who's in the Guard or the Reserve for that very reason. That's, that's true. And so... <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things in the USERA law is a discrimination paragraph. So by law, an employer cannot discriminate against a Guard or Reserve member because of their service. Wow, and then that's going to go way legal if somebody tries to make a charge and say, 
he didn't hire me or she didn't hire me because I'm in the guard or I'm in the reserves. So basically, um, going back to what you said earlier, I'm an ombudsman. My job is to mediate. So let's say, for example, um, an, a, a young service member um, comes in and says, hey, I applied for a job. They, I told them I was in the reserves, and they said, well, in that case, we're not going to hire you. Well, that's discrimination. So by USERA law, the employer cannot discriminate against a service member because of their duty. Okay. So as an ombudsman, my job would be to inform the employer of USERA law, the congressional law, and also the service member and see if we can mediate an understanding. Now, if that doesn't happen, this is a voluntary volunteer ombudsman organization. If that doesn't mediate the problem, then it can go to the Department of Labor, the federal government, because it is a federal law. So are you telling me, did you just hint to me that you're a volunteer? Yes, I'm a volunteer. Wow. Yeah. So you really were bored after you gave up dentistry <laughs> and you had to find something to do. How yeah. busy do you stay? Is this a full-time job? Well, the rest of the story, Teresa, um, I started working with this organization about eight or nine years ago, and that was my primary duty was an ombudsman. I went through uh, several weeks of training. I go through yearly training with this job. And then um, the state kind of changed uh, organization, and they asked me to be the area chairman of ESGR for Southwest Virginia, which is about 10 counties. And then they also asked me to be the state training director. <laughs> So I stay busy with ESGR in the state of Virginia. It sounds like it's becoming a full-time full what it's sounding like. So what kind of training do you do, or are there programs that are already kind of in place that you can present to employers or mm -hmm. train employers, recruit employers for hiring military? Mm -hmm. A little bit more about those kinds of okay. things. Okay. So organization of ESGR, state and national, we have – several um, programs. One of them is military outreach, and that is focused on basically getting together with service members, men and women, prior to and after they come back from active duty to educate them about USERA law and what their rights and privileges are under USERA law. So that's one focus that we do. We'll actually be meeting with the Garden Reserve Unit in Marion in a few weeks and then here in Abingdon at the Reserve Center and we'll be doing the same thing. We'll be educating the servicemen and women about USERA law. So that's one job. The other one is employer outreach. And we're working in this area. We're working uh, very closely with employers. One of our biggest employers and biggest supporters in this area is uh, Food City. And uh, Steve Smith's been very supportive of our organization. And um, so we go out into, in the community and we educate employers about USERA law and what the rights and privileges are of Garden Reserve members and encourage them to support them. Okay, we have a, a thing that I really like is called statement of support. So any employer can ask us to give them a statement of support. And it's a very nice um, form that is got the United States seal and emblem on it. And it says we support the Garden Reserves. In the United States. And very that's nice. something that a business would be proud to display, very, very I would much think. So. Yeah. Now, I know that in those uh, presentations that you make to employers, aside from the fact that, gee, your employee may be gone for a while, I bet you're loaded with reasons that it's good to hire 
people with military experience. Yes, that's a good point. You know, most military people, and I hate to get down into the weeds of things, but most military people, you can count on being drug-free. You can count on being respectful. You can count on being educated. You can count on being duty-related, that they want to do their duty. They want to do a good job. They're going to show up for work in the morning. So to hire a military person, veteran, or a Guard or Reserve member, the employer is getting the cream of the crop as far as an employee. Do you have any kinds of, I don't know, mass media outreach or social media outreach to try to recruit businesses? How do you find the businesses to work with? Well, that's what the employer outreach um, aspect of ESGR is. So in this area, we've hired a very nice fellow that I just met, his ex-Army uh, fellow, and he's going to go out and uh, to start talking to employers and so forth. We're going to think about getting each little town in Washington County to support the Garden Reserve. Like so, a resolution from yep. towns and counties and yep. things like that. Yeah. It yeah. just raises the profile yeah. of the um, issue. Tomorrow I'm presenting an award to the Sheriff's Department in Marion for outstanding job in support of our veterans and uh, Guard members. So I'm giving him an award tomorrow, and that'll be in the newspaper in a few days. Well, tell us a little bit more about that. What what's what does the award actually state? Well, there's different awards. Just in general, it doesn't have to be anything specific. But yeah, you're bragging on them because they do what? Well, basically because they're supporting the Guard and Reserve members. They're going out over and beyond their duty. The award I'm presenting tomorrow to the Sheriff's Department in Marion is basically saying, hey, you have not only met the basic requirements of supporting our Guard and Reserve members, but you've gone over and above normal support. So, for example, one of the things that I found interesting, some companies, and of course larger corporations, actually will pay the service member their full salary while they're deployed. They also maybe support their family. If, you know, let's say the car breaks down, the employer will say, hey, we'll get it fixed. We'll, we'll take care of that for you. Um, support the family, like, uh, say, take them out to dinner or something like that during holidays. So there's over and above and beyond the normal things that people do for Garden Reserve members. It's very nice, very supportive. So much going on. My guest today is Dr. John Lentz. He's ombudsman for the employer support of the Guard and Reserve, and he's talking about the advantages of hiring people with military experience and the law that requires employers to treat them a certain way. So, Dr. Lentz, in your comments mm-hmm. and some of the materials I saw, a little quote that said, we all serve. What does that mean? We all serve. Well, I think, you know, we could look at it in two, maybe two avenues, Teresa, is we all serve, uh, whether you're military or a citizen in your community, we all serve for taking care of our people, whether it's your next door neighbor, your county people, state people, federal government people, we all serve, especially the military. I mean, we're, we're giving up our lives in the military for protection of our country. So I think you could take it in different venues, but we all, we all work together for the betterment of our country. Yeah, from what I'm hearing you say, these employers who take care of the veterans and garden reservists are serving, their, serving the country in Very a much. way as well. And I would imagine that uh, it would touch a nerve with you if I said something about, well, do the families of the service people also serve? 
Very much so. Oh, very much so. And we actually have awards for family members. You know, let's say uh, a man, has his wife is in the military, we have an award where the spouse can give an award to their spouse for serving in the military. Yeah. What would be an example of something like that that you've seen? I mean, I, I can't picture what that would be like, a service member giving an award to a family member or the organization honoring a family member. Well, you know, I think if you, if you look at a typical family, you know, especially with younger people in their 20s and so forth, they're raising a family, they may have children, and one of the parents is overseas for a few months, a year, several years. So that leaves the spouse at home with the children. And to say thank you, you could certainly present your spouse with an award to say, hey, I want to show you that I appreciate everything you've done while I was on active duty. Because that really asks a lot, doesn't it? it and does. you know what I've noticed? I'm, I'm doing that thing where when you think military, you tend to think men. But what yeah. are the percentages like and how does the ratio of men to women compare in the work you're doing? You know, I don't, I can't answer that question. I really don't know. Um, one fact I do have, I'll share with your listeners, is that we have about 45,000 um, reservists and guard members in the state of Virginia. And uh, that nationwide is 50% of our armed services are guard and reserve members, 50%. And I would guess, just to make an educated guess, I would say at least maybe a third are women, females. Yeah. Yeah. That's changing. And uh, the example that I gave about the guards person who went off into deployment after 9-11, it was a woman. Is it, I, I don't know if you would uh, have opinions or thoughts about this, but I've heard that it's being very, very difficult to recruit people for the volunteer service anymore, that it's hard for them, for the services to reach their quotas in the number of people that they need. That's true. And, and a lot of it is meeting the requirements for uh, employment. Um we, I'm hearing in the, in the background that a lot of the young people that are applying for active duty military uh, don't meet the requirements for whatever reason. Um, so that's becoming a problem. And again, it's economy related. When the economy is booming and there's lots of jobs, less people sign up for the military. When the economy's down and there's not many jobs, more and more people go into the military. So military recruitment, I think, depends on education level and also probably the economy. Yeah. Maybe politics. Oh, <laughs> uh, could be. Well, what would be your spiel if you had a group of young people, you were in a high school and you were saying, mm -hmm. consider the military, what would you say? Well, I think I think what I would uh, focus on is the opportunities that joining the military offer somebody. Number one, education. Um, they're going to get an education while they're in the military and during the time they're in the military. And then they would have an opportunity to have college tuition paid for them once they get out through the GI Bill. So if you go in, let's say you sign up for two or three years and then you get out, you basically could get a free college education via the GI Bill, which is a great opportunity. And then I think the other thing is if, you, if, a, if a young person went into the military and got out, the chances of, an, of a reemployment by uh, an employer because of their skills, their education, their respect, and their, I say, their duty to show up for work on time and so forth. So if you say, hey, I served three years in the military and I got out with an honorable discharge, I mean, bingo, that's a great employer, yeah, yeah employee. Yeah. Do you have any people who've stood out to you? I mean, obviously, you work with a lot of soldiers. You work mm -hmm. with a lot of business people. 
what are who are some people who stand out to you and something that they did that was especially impressive or maybe a difficult situation that you had to resolve? Let's go negative first. What's the <laughs> toughest negotiation you had with an employer and how did you set them straight? Well, most of my experience as an ombudsman, um, basically how this works is let's say a uh, guard or reserve member uh, feels they've been mistreated through USERA law. And we do educate all service members on USERA law so they're aware of the law. They, they can go online. Anyone can go online, type in USERA, and the law comes up on the computer. And if they have a complaint about that, then they file that with a national office, which is in Virginia. They make a phone call. And if the person that reviews their case feels that they've got a valid point, depending on where the uh, service member is, what state, then they are assigned to a state uh, ombudsman. And then state ombudsman assigns them to regional ombudsman, like myself. I think in Virginia right now we have about six active duty ombudsmen. So then we get the case, and we're, we contact the service member. We talk to the service member and say, hey, what kind of questions do you have? What kind of issues do you have? We listen to that, and then we say, well, do you have permission to talk to your employer? So then we try to talk to the employer. Now, uh, my experience is getting more and more difficult to talk to employers for whatever reason. Uh, a lot of the times the employers are just not aware of USERA law. They've never heard of it, uh, probably like many visitors, of uh, listeners today. You've never heard of that. And so my job is to educate the employer about USERA law, saying, hey, this is uh, federal law. This is what your obligations are. Are you familiar with it? Here's where I think paragraph A, B, C, D applies to this particular um, inquiry. Do you have any questions? Okay, here's my question, Dr. Lentz. I'm a private business owner. I work really hard. I can't afford this. I have to hire him back I've already or her back, and I've already employed somebody else to take the place. This is government control, government intervention. I need to be left alone. Well, I would agree with all of that. <laughs> however. Oh, that's good negotiation right there. Oh, look at you go. However, <laughs> uh, Congress passed a law in, in 1994, USERA law, that gives service members certain rights and privileges, and they have to be obeyed. If they're not, uh, and you don't agree with that, then you have a choice to go to court under the Department of Labor and fight it out in court. Oh, my goodness. I can see why people would get upset. They would say, well, I'm just never hiring anybody again who's in the military. I mean, if it's somebody who's yeah. really on the line financially with a business, struggling business, this is pretty tough stuff. You say to them, I bet you serve your country, too, by employing this person and taking care of this person. Mm -hmm. Very much so. How many times does it go to court? Rarely. Yeah, that's that's the um, job of the ombudsman. We save, I believe I was trying to think about this the other night in preparing for this. I think we save the United States government something like twenty five million dollars a year by our volunteering to do this for, them, for as ombudsman. We save them about that much money. Wow. Well, this is just a whole lot to process. But do do the pitch one more time to businesses. Why should they hire people with military experience. You did it beautifully, but I, I want to hear it again. Thank you, Teresa. Well, basically, I think there's several reasons is if you hire a um, military veteran or uh, a guard member, reserve member, number one, they're educated. Um, they're dutiful. They're going to show up for work. They're going to do their best they can out of true respect, okay? Um, and they're serving our country. 
they're protecting you and your family against, I guess, threats from within and without the United States. So I think there's it's a plus-plus win-win situation for everybody by hiring a Guard or Reserve member or a veteran. And as a business person, you serve too. I did, yeah, Great. very proudly. Thank you, Dr. Lentz, for being with us. Dr. John Lentz, Ombudsman with Employer Support of the Guard and Reserve. Very interesting area that we are happy to learn about. You're listening to this conversation. We air Wednesdays at 6, Sundays at 2 here on 90.7 and in WISE-WISE. You can find this interview again by going to our podcast site. Go to wehcfm.com, look for the link to podcast talk shows, look for this conversation. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of them there, including this conversation with Dr. John Lentz. Thanks for listening. Please stay tuned to this station.